Good morning. Oh, yeah. It's good, isn't it? I hope you're all having a fantastic morning. And particularly if you're a mother, I hope you are feeling celebrated today. And of course, we've already heard that uh, today is Mother's Day. And so today I have been asked to look at parenting with you. But if you're not a mum or if you are not a parent, now's not the time to switch off. Because parents are basically, in simple terms, leaders of their children. And actually, each of us has spheres of interests in our lives, don't they? Relationships that we have with our family, with our work colleagues, with our friends, perhaps with our enemies. And each of these areas, we have influence and we can be leading other people. So every time I say the word parent this morning, if you're not a parent, please translate that to leader. And consider how what I say can be applied to your situation. Good? Really good. Good. <laughs> Thank you, Duncan. <laughs> so, let me quickly introduce myself first. I'm married to Tim, and we have two boys aged 19 and 13. You'd have seen Nathan already on the cajon this morning. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, I'd like to say that I remember well the night that Tim and I became parents. Uh, Daniel was born at 3.30 in the morning. And uh, to be honest, most of what happened is a complete blur. Be at about 5 a.m., Daniel and I were settled in the maternity ward and Tim was sent home. But then at about 7 a.m., I was called uh, to witness an argument between the big chief midwife and a paediatrician. And they were having this discussion about Daniel's health. And during the course of the argument, they looked to me for comment, being the mother. But I was just sort of swaying in the corner. So they sent me back to bed because I couldn't comprehend a thing that they were saying. And it was probably 10am in the morning before I next woke up. And at this point, Daniel was gone. But you know what I did? I distinctly remember saying to myself, oh, well, that's all right then. And I went back to sleep. <laughs> now, where was my mothering instinct? Shouldn't I have been on high alert, checking that he hadn't been kidnapped or was seriously ill? What was I thinking? You know, luckily, nobody considered me an unfit mother at that moment. And hopefully over time, I've grown into the role. But I'm guessing that for most parents, there's this gush of emotion, isn't there, when we first set eyes on our newborn. Perhaps there's awe and pride looking down at this wonderful new creation. But there's also a desire to protect and provide for. A hope that they'll grow up to be healthy and happy and blessed. And these are all natural things. But as Christian parents, there is something more profound than that. That should be our number one desire for our children. And that is that we would have them follow us in our faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be our number one aim. 
To give us some pointers on how to achieve this aim, we're going to be taking a look in the next few moments at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. It's part of a speech that Moses gave to the Israelites, instructing them on how they should live as they entered the promised land. So if you've got Bibles, do open them to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 to 9. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. So here goes. These are the commands, decrees and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, says Moses. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and your grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well for you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of our ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorsteps, on the doorposts, sorry, of your house and on your gates. You know, at first glance, you might be tempted to think that this passage is all about following rules and regulations. Boring. But let's look again at this because I think there's real secrets to uncover when we're thinking about parenting and leading other people. And the first thing I would like you to notice is God's promise that is found at the end of verse 2. It says, if you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. And the first thing I want you to get a hold of this morning is that God is not a killjoy. He wants us to enjoy a long life. And when God tells us to do something, it's because he wants us to live the best life possible. Philippians 4.4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. When we follow Jesus, there is an expectation of a full and joyful life. And as parents, you know, we tell our children to hold our hands when we cross the road, don't we? Certainly when they're young. And that's because we want to keep them safe. It's in their best interests. And of course, God, our Heavenly Father, has the same intentions for us. If you think that God is a killjoy, you've been taken in for one of the devil's biggest lies. Amen. The Bible's teaching does not ruin our fun. 
But it can be easy to adopt that view, can't it? And perhaps, you know, sometimes we hang out with our mates and we go with the flow with certain questionable behaviour. Or maybe we decide it's okay to lie and make dodgy uh, deals at work in order to provide better for our family. Or we come to the conclusion that it can't be possibly be wrong to sleep with somebody we love. But, you know, God's laws, they are for our benefit. And if we are to be good parents, passing on our faith to our kids, we need to start believing and living on that basis. That God, even when we don't understand what he's saying or why he's saying it, has our best in mind. God is not a killjoy. The second thing I'd like to point out today is start as you mean to continue. Moses doesn't tell the Israelites to obey God once they've settled in the promised land, once they've got comfortable, perhaps once they can afford it or when life is less busy. He tells them to start the way they are to continue. Verse one of this passage says, you must obey the commands in the land you are about to enter and occupy. And you know, this is relevant to all of us. God calls us to be obedient now. Not in the future, not when it suits us, but get it? Now. So in the family in particular, we want to create a culture, don't we, of putting God first. And we might think that our kids are too young to understand some of the things that we get up to. But actually, we need to model behaviour we want them to copy and give them values we want them to adopt. (laughs) I'm quite proud of this, but Daniel's first words were, thank you. I must have been in the habit, this wasn't anything clever, I must have been in the habit of giving him things and going, thank you. Because one day, out of the blue, he copied me. (laughs) But here's the thing. At one level, our kids simply imitate us, don't they, in the things that we do. But they also, from an early age, pick up and adopt our values. Jesus summed up the Old Testament commands by telling us to love God and to love our neighbours. Now, being polite in a simple way demonstrates that, doesn't it? However, if we are in the habit of jumping cues or making unreasonable demands, or talking about people behind their backs, our kids, from a young age, will question the genuineness of our faith. And we need to start now in the ways we intend to continue, modelling our faith to our kids, and to anybody, in fact, that is watching us. The third thing I want to say from this passage is following God should encompass all of our energy. Verse 5 says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. And this command is telling us to prioritise God, our heavenly father, the best parent anyone could have. He tells us that the secret to a successful life is putting him first. And for us as parents or leaders in our spheres of influence, we need to pass 
on that same message. You know, you might say, you know, I've given my life to God. I'm a follower of Jesus. But it's easy to get distracted, isn't it, when everybody around us prioritise other things like popularity or education or economic security or happiness. These things, they can become unwitting idols in our lives, especially when you combine them with that parenting instinct of protecting and providing for your children. So how should we live in ways that prioritise God? And how do we convey that to our children so that they would grow up to follow us in the faith? It's going to look different for each of us. But for Tim and I, we decided that we would prioritise church on Sundays ahead of social occasions, ahead of parties or sports events or schoolwork. We felt that this was an obvious way of demonstrating that we were putting God ahead of other things. You know, when when the kids are young, this was a really tangible way of saying that God is our best friend and that we want to hang out with him before doing anything else. You know, when as children get older, it's easy as parents to get drawn into that stress of educational success. But for us, we wanted to tell Daniel, we wanted him to know that God comes before academic achievement. We discouraged him from missing church because he needed to finish his homework or to revise an exam. Now, I know that this is particularly difficult during lockdown, and you may decide on a different approach. But it is worth considering what message you convey in the choices that you make. So how is loving God and trust in his word played out during the week? You know, a favourite song in Sunday school is, Our God is a great big God. You know, when you sing that with your kids, do you believe it? Do we act as if we believe it? Of course, God is big enough to speak into the challenges that we face, isn't he? You know, and there are different ways that this can be played out in home life. Tim and I have always tried to foster a culture of openness where we demonstrate our faith to our kids. You know, when I was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago, we didn't hide it from the kids. Instead, we tried to find um, age-appropriate ways of explaining what the doctors were saying. Eight-year-old Nathan came with me to appointments um, in the chemo lounge. He has met my oncologist. And the reason for that is because uh, young children often understand things better when they are shown them in a physical way. We haven't hidden the fact that life isn't always easy. Life isn't always easy, but we want to uh, demonstrate and show our kids how to cling to God in the difficult times and continue to love and trust him at all times. Number four, speak truth. So we've talked about actions, pointing our children to the Lord, but of course we also need to use words. Verse seven says, repeat these commands again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. 
Wow. You know, this verse, it's all encompassing, isn't it? It's basically saying, tell your children about what God expects of them, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. No activity or opportunity is left out. It's right, isn't it? God is relevant in every part of our lives. You know, in our home, Tim has spent, and it is Tim, Tim's a super parent in our family, Tim has literally spent hours with the children at bedtime each week. Nathan is now 13, and this is still a really important part of his day. It's a time to touch base, to connect and show love, and they'll talk about the day. They might reflect on how God feels about what has happened. They often read a secular book together, uh, but they always read a Bible passage too. And it's important to say here that when it comes to the Bible, Bible knowledge is great. And we often love to tell our kids great Bible stories. There's loads of them you can choose from. But it's almost more important, no, I would say it is more important to discuss what the passage reveals about God and how we should relate to him. You know, with our children returning to school as lockdown eases, some children may be going back to childminders or attending after-school clubs or spending times in their friends' houses. But if there's one thing I want the parents listening today to hear, it is this, that God has appointed you to be the primary educator of your children. Get that? God has appointed you to be the primary educator of your children. As good as as school is, and as wonderful as Sunday school is, children need to be fed daily, that's every day, on the word of God. And no one but you can do that. You know, obviously, as children get older, routines change. In our home, Daniel, now 19, has developed his own habit of spending time with God alone. But when he's at home, he and Tim still have regular Bible studies together. And as Daniel's also interested in politics, they often discuss the news together and consider the Christian perspective of what is happening You can do this in other ways as well. You know, when you watch a TV programme with your child, what is God saying through it? What is of value in what is happening and what is wrong? You know, if as a parent you are looking forward to the day when your kids are going to hang out with you, don't be fooled into thinking that it's a switch that gets turned on at 18. It starts now with you regularly investing time into your children. It's also important to say um, on this that people are often strongly influenced by the thing that they hear first. And so as parents, we need to teach our kids our Christian values before they hear contrary views, uh, either in the playground or from their teachers. So for example, many of us shy away from talking about Sex. Don't know who said that. (laughs) Christina. Sex. We don't like talking about it. But unless we have those conversations with our kids, preferably before they hear them elsewhere, 
They might start adopting secular views rather than God-centred ones. Finally, you'll be pleased to hear my fifth point, develop habits. Verse 8 says, tie the commands on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. What on earth has this got to do with modern parenting? Well, I think it's basically telling us to be in the habit of reflecting on God's commands in whatever you do, tying them to your hands, in whatever you think, wearing them on your forehead. And by writing them on your doorposts and on your gates, it's encouraging us to consider our allegiance to God when we go about our business in the world. Habits and family traditions are really important. And we don't have time to unpack that now. But by way of personal testimony, you know, I was brought up um, to prioritise church on Sundays. I first attended church when I was four days old. <laughs> That's starting as you mean to continue. But by my early 20s, I was living hundreds of miles away from my parents. And something happened that deeply hurt me and made me really angry with God. But I was in the habit of going to church each week. And so despite how I felt, I continued to believe that God is good. And I maintained that habit of going to church, even though my anger would well up inside of me. And I usually left after about 10 minutes. <laughs> but over the course of about three months, healing did come. And I'd say that it was the habit formed in my childhood that kept me from walking away from God. You know, there are healthy traditions that you can create, but as lockdown comes to an end, yes, can I encourage you to get back into the habit of regular physical attendance of church? It is so important for us as adults and for our children. I started today by describing my unflattering entrance into parenting. And there have been many moments since where you could say I failed to be a good mother. Luckily, my parents, my children, sorry, are very forgiving. And of course, so is God. Parenting is hard and none of us are perfect. And when we fail, we simply need to come in repentance to God and ask him for the grace to carry on. You know, whatever situation we find ourselves in, whether we don't yet have kids, or maybe we've got the cute and cuddly variety, or maybe our kids have all grown up, or whether you're applying this to others in your life, our primary aim should be to point people to God. That's our primary aim, to point people to God. And as this passage says, you know, whatever has gone before, start now as you mean to continue. God is gracious. Amen.